Welcome everyone to the Deep Dive, the podcast that skips small talk and goes straight for the concepts that shape our thinking and behavior. In this podcast, cold expertise is defenestrated as warm philosophy is enthroned in an attempt to explore the field in which we're all scientists looking for answers, living well. of the Deep Dive with Eyal Shai. I'm joined today by Katrina De La Cruz. Hi, Katrina. Hi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> It's good to have you here. And without further ado, I'd love to hear from you. What is an idea that has helped you and has been helping you live well? Yeah. Um, an idea that has helped me live well. Um, this is actually something that uh, Mark Manson talks about. He did this whole... Um, survey of people about what, what makes them successful at relationships, right? Or like what should you look for in a person? And um, his answer actually really embodied something um, I take very close to heart as, as far as like a, an actual philosophy that I've done. Um, and the simplest thing is to be um, extremely curious about yourself and the world around you, um, but also to, to take responsibility. And it's really interesting because he applies this to relationships. He says, when you look for a partner, like kind of the two most important things you look for is are they curious about themselves and can they take responsibility for who they are? Um, and I just loved the simplicity of that because I feel like that has been something I um, implicitly have uh, like, taken on as a belief um, since I was very young. Like I have lots of journals where I'm introspecting, but I'm also, I've also been very mindful of also closing the feedback loop where it's not just learning for the sake of learning, but finding ways to actually challenge myself um, to improve um, as far as taking responsibility for, for the things uh, that I want to improve on and the things that I learn. Um, yeah. So that, there's a very simple, it's like the very simple idea. And then kind of, um, tangential to that and what what I've the way that I've really supported that is like there's a specific framework that I learned recently that I think has been really life-changing for me um it's Carl Jung's work around uh cognitive functions um if you're familiar with Myers-Briggs MBTI um it's actually the theory underlying that so uh Myers and Briggs they used Carl Jung's original theory to formulate the survey to generate the four letters but there's actually this much more complex theory underneath that and I'm not in the podcast I I'm, it's too complex to kind of articulate specifically but it's kind of similar to any sort of personality or identity framework where you're, you're observing yourself and you're observing other people and you're fitting it within this framework and using that to, to evaluate also paths of growth. Um, so there's a lot to say around both of those things, but I, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's this very simple piece of being curious and taking responsibility for yourself, but also this piece of um, a, a very specific framework that I've chosen for myself to then view, like, you know, use as a, as a path of growth. Yeah, that's actually interesting. It, uh, on this podcast, there hasn't been much talk about specifically relationships um, and, and kind of what makes them uh, successful and, and thriving. And yeah, intuitively, it just pops up as a very elegant and, and simple answer. And for you, what was there uh, a catalyst or, or a certain point where you kind of shifted your attention into relationships for for a reason or is it just something that emerged out of a general curiosity 
about things? That's a great question. I think it's um, it's always felt like something inherent to me. I don't, I can't really attribute it to a, a certain point in my life where I was like, you know, I'm bad at relationships and I'm going to now get better at them. I think that for whatever reason, I was blessed with just navigating friendships and relationships really well. I think that's part of just my upbringing. Like I have strong relationships with my parents. We still, we had arguments, but I was in an environment where I learned how to uh, manage conflict um, within my arguments with my family. And it was always, it, it, I was, I learned that, um, I could play offense in life and, uh, have a really nurturing, fulfilling life. If I learned how to navigate these conflicts really responsibly. Um, so I think there was just something in my environment that taught me how to navigate those well, by way of just being surrounded by people who like made it safe to, um, engage in, in conflict. Like it, Brene Brown calls it like the rumble before I even like knew that that was her term for it. I realized like that was what I was doing, which is to engage fully in our, uh, conflict and then come out of it better. So I like had that experience with relationships, with my family, with my brother, with friends, um, until I realized it was something that I was generally very good at. And, um, it lent a lot to the quality of life I have is to, to pay very close attention to the quality of my relationships and in, in a very active way. Yeah. And, and do you find yourself to be a kind of peacemaker at heart or somebody who's putting a lot of emphasis on the harmony between people in their lives or um, trying to find the motivation there because I don't think it comes to to anyone this naturally uh, to really dig for the things that make relationships successful. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Um, I do think it's something um, that felt very natural, but what's interesting, if you, going back to like the theory that I was talking about, like um, just to keep it in simple terms that if people, people more people by, might be familiar with like MBTI, like there are certain personalities that are just generally more agreeable, right? Or uh, in the theory, it's like, there's certain people that are just more um, attuned to people's emotions. And I feel like that's the category I fit in. I've always felt very attuned to people's emotions. Um, and combining that with a, a deep curiosity for like the intricacy of how relationships work. Like the, the, I love reading books about how to love better, quite frankly. Like there, I do, one of my favorite books is um, The Art of Loving. Like I love that title alone that implies that loving is something you can get better at. It's a craft. Um, so I think it's a comp, yeah, it's a combination of being someone who's just very attuned to people's emotions, but also a deep curiosity over sort of the craft of relationships and, and reading deeply into anything I could find that could help me, um, improve that. Yeah. I, I really like hearing you say that you're attuned to other people's emotions because that's not empathy, right? Empathy is actually taking on those emotions and feeling literally mm -hmm. the same as they're feeling. And that can be, I feel detrimental. Um, so I think it's Paul Bloom, Paul Bloom, uh, the psychologist who wrote a lot about how we uh, really put empathy on a pedestal when really it can be destructive. You, so you want to be attuned and understand other people, but then remain uh, curious and grounded to actually help them go through what they're going through instead of just taking on their emotion and then mirroring their reaction, which could very well be aggressive if they're angry or despondent if they're depressed and so on so i really like this framing as being um, attuned to emotion not not empathetic completely absolutely um, yeah, yeah and it's it's so true about um 
actually taking responsibility because it's also making me think about all the about possibly what could the antonym be, right? What could the opposite be? And I'm thinking it's uh, victim mentality, probably. And I'm just running in my mind those scenarios of uh, meeting people who things always happen to them. And, you know, the, the world makes them behave the, the way they behave. And that seems to be the, the exact opposite of taking responsibility. And I wonder if you've uh, also encountered that in your life and was turned off by it to say so um yeah um i've uh encountered it in a very close relationship of mine and so i think that also is like when something affects you that deeply like sort of the martyrdom of people around me and also like all i recognize in ways that i've uh been susceptible to um you know, putting myself in, in the position of a victim, especially I'm like a self-proclaimed, like people please, like, I know what I am. Like, I know what my tendencies are. And I've really worked at that because I've, I've, I've also engaged with other like individuals who have these same sort of tendencies. And I'm like, ah, when you, when you go so far and taking on other people's emotions or, you know, the sort of like, I do it because I love you kind of language. I wrote a whole blog post about this. Um, it's just, it's, it, love on the love in the guise of uh, selflessness, like pure selflessness. It's like there's a line, right? When you, when you're uh, assuming like you know what's best for other people or being a victim, like those are these are versions of uh, quote unquote love that just go too far. It's too much of an extreme to balance it out with um, with just being responsible for yourself and always knowing where the line is. Um, so. Yeah, I, it's interesting because like, I know my tendencies, like I, I know that I have a, I could, I can be in the position of being a people pleaser. Like I've, I felt the the pull of like wanting to uh, just like, I take on people's emotions too much. And I really had to learn how to like, not do that. I've really had to like bring people into my life and observe other people's ways of being that taught me otherwise. Um, and I, I think that's one of the most important ways I've learned to take responsibility for myself is to know sort of where my weaknesses lie and, and, and also, um, be really proactive and not, uh, you know, hurting other people by way of not take, not taking responsibility for myself. Yeah. So it's actually bringing up something which, you know, since the beginning, I was just uh, thinking about myself that maybe, um, relationships are just, uh, an arena where this becomes very clear that the victim mentality doesn't serve you and taking responsibility for action does, but really in our own, right. In the, in the individual, it's just the same, right? So, um, if, if your story to yourself is that you are a person who just suffers strong things and is a victim of accidents and all that, that makes it really easy and it's actually something that I've thought a lot about in my life because I could see the turnaround in myself around the time I turned 19 or 20. I just, um, a lot of the things that I read about kind of matured into this notion that um, life is more absurd than, than we make them out to be usually and because of that we can be more absurd and actually break away with patterns that we've had for a while and adopt new patterns and everything is more malleable and plastic than we than we usually imagine and that's that's what i did and it was a big turnaround for me 
And it was exactly that, right? Like taking responsibility and just seeing myself as, as somebody who is proactive, as you say, about, about doing these things. And I wonder if you've read or you've thought about any um, techniques for, for doing that or where does the victim mentality come to play in the first place? Is it just because it's easy to sustain an ego um, or is it not a question of, of easy and hard, but of just a tendency to, to identify yourselves with something? Mm, that's a great question. Where does the victim mentality come from? Um, my first good answer is like, I think part of it is realizing there's a, I find that there is a joy in having integrity. Like I, I have a, there's, um, I guess the more that I do this, the more that I take responsibility for myself, it's, it, it comes back in my life and I see how the way in my, in which my life is, is, um, just better. And it feels like if I have an association, like it feels good, even though it's hard sometimes to, to take a different route that feels uncomfortable, but it's like the, the road of like having integrity or, or showing character or challenging myself. Um, I just have had this connection that it, it just feels good. My life feels better and clear. It feels honest. You know, it feels aligned. Uh, I'm sure there's something been like, you know, what sort of started me myself down that train of being able to like make that association. But, um, I, I just, I, I feel this resistance to like believing that, um, I'm at life's, uh, I'm at the whim of like my life. I don't like the feeling of, you know, being a victim. Um, and I'm sure I've been in a position before, like I can recall times in my life where I almost fell into that position where, you know, there was a period a few years ago where I was sort of just in that, like, I was in a place where everything was wrong. Like where, what I was doing for work was not right for me. A relationship was not right for me. And, there's so much like existential dread, like as a part of that. Um, but then something kicked in, you know, that was like, I just, I just value the power of choice so much. It always, somehow I come back to that. I somehow I come back to reminding myself that I can choose. And I think that might be something in whether or not you take on a victim mentality or not. It's like, you have a lot, you have a lot of agency and, and not letting go of the power of choice. Um, I think is like a starting point. Cause that's when I was like at my worst of feeling like a victim to the life that the way that my life had um, ended up a few years ago. Um, it was like the power of choice that reminded me, like I, I started putting down like all of my fears. I tried to break everything. I, I literally made this spreadsheet called let's get excited about life. Um, and I broke down all my fears and um, looking back at it now, I was like, wow, I was in a really terrible place, but it was this crucial moment in which I just reminded myself that I had a choice and I needed to uh, be really grateful for that and, and use whatever I had at my disposal to, um, to make changes. Because I think there's also this, I, I just, don't like the idea of living my life unconsciously at all. Like I see it in the world. When I see victim mentality around me too, it, it there's a feeling of like, I, I see the way it inflicts people close to me when other people stop taking responsibility to, for their lives. Um, if it looks like this sort of, you're asleep at the wheel. And when I see that, when I observe that too, 
it's, it's also motivation for me to be like, to make a choice there and say to myself, um, that's not something that I want for myself that, that looks like just eternal unhappiness to not be an in integrity, to, to be a victim, um, to not see the ways in which I myself am contributing to my own suffering. Like I want to be awake at the wheel conscious and I want to be able to make choices. Um, yeah, I hope that for some thought around it, that. It, yeah, it does because it makes me now interested in, in your role as an, as an educator. I try in my life, I try um, giving my daughter as much freedom to choose as possible. So she's three and a half and there are a lot of things that she can't decide on, right? She can't decide for herself. Um, but I'm really trying to preserve some core feeling that, you know, whatever is okay for her to choose, she should do it, not me. And I'm in the I'm in the opinion that I should also let her make mistakes if they're non-lethal, right? So it's very simple. She wants to um, wear something that's way too hot for the summer. I let her, okay? Let her boil in that uh, silly uh, winter dress if if she wants to, because I do view the the um, preservation of agency as being more important than, you know, is she going to suffer from heat now? Because she can change clothes. But I think that um, we tend to want for children to have such a perfect life and optimize it for them that we're trying to, to manage everything around, to allow it for them, right? And this is basically helicopter parenting. And I'm, I wanna ask you as an educator, if what you see um, with parents and, and in the education system, maybe that's a place where things go wrong when it comes to um, preserving agency and the understanding in children that they can choose. Like, is it actually um, funneling us down through a through a path where we end up having victim mentality more often than we should. Hmm. Yeah. So that's interesting. The way that our education system kind of sort of prepares and primes for whether or not you feel agency in your life or not, and how that sort of sets up a, an individual for uh, that behavior in the rest of their lives. Um, that is. A big part of um, like Montessori, for example, is is under teaching kids that there are natural consequences to things. You know, like um, there's a big thing about like farm schools, right? Because that your decisions have real consequence, and using the word consequences in just very neutrally, like not punishment, right? right. It's not you're getting an F on a thing um, because. Uh, and that it, that has implications for your life. It's like, there's real natural consequence to, if you don't take responsibility for X thing, like you can see your impact on the community. You can see your impact if, and then this is something that's just very important to teach is the ways in which your choices lead to something and the significance of them, you know, giving children responsibility. For example, like one thing is like, uh, small children are entrusted with like real cups instead of giving them like plastic cups, because it's like, instead of, uh, giving a plastic cup and you're giving a real cup, it's like teaching a child how to, that they do have the ability within them to take responsibility for this important thing. It's interesting that, but at the same time that you're entrusting and you're expressing and creating an environment of like a child taking responsibility and seeing the natural consequences, you're still the adult. You're still, you still have to meet each child where they're at and understand. Um, 
you know, where does a, where, where are the guides? There are guides, it's not complete, you know, like just throw a child in they into some room and they figure it out for themselves. It's like a very, they we call it a prepared environment, um, a space in which it's, it's intended to simulate something to teach a child, um, that the world has natural consequences and they can take responsibility for that, but it's also still a simulated space in which there are guards, right? Because as an as we are the adults, we are the individuals who are still guiding students through this process. Um, and, and we call our teachers guides very specifically for that purpose. Um, so I do think there is a lot to the ways, to the existing natural environments. Um, maybe when I, I didn't do Montessori when I was a kid, but um, I do think my parents, uh, they didn't, you know, they really let me just explore myself. Um, they encouraged me with books. Um, and I was in, I was in a lot of adult environments. I was exposed to places where I wasn't like my, my, my independence was respected as a child. So I got to express that and explore that. Um, I think that was probably a big thing, even though I wasn't myself, like in a Montessori school, I had a lot of elements of different parts of my life that were Montessori like, I would say. Yeah, it's it's super interesting for me to think back and see if if that what kind of influences I had that made me eventually think of of that. But I think I'm I'm a survivor in that sense. I think that I went through an education an education system that um, did not really uh, encourage that, and I'm happy that we came out well, with that anyway. And many people do, but. I think that we can do a much better job of preserving that in children because I see my daughter wanting to take responsibility for things and the easy things for us is, is not just to optimize it for her, but also save us trouble, right? So don't draw on that thing or don't uh, carry the, the glass cup, as you say, the glass mug because it might break and so on. We're just afraid that it's going to create work for us. And also the, the optimization thing is very interesting because it's part of the beef I have with this movement of trying to optimize things is because basically when you optimize, you think of the best way um, to be and you're becoming laser focused about achieving that, not leaving much room on the, on the right and the left to kind of deviate from that when it's super important to realize that there is a, a range of acceptable behaviors and a range of good decisions. It's not, it's not just about making the best decisions because that's absolutely paralyzing. If you have to um, figure out that what you're going to do next is going to create the one and only desirable result. And it's, it's very interesting, these questions about agency and I, yeah, I, I don't know if I, if I have a point here, but just to kind of illuminate yet another aspect of it and say, yes, this is something that I feel like could be done a lot better by um, educators and parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I very much feel um, proud of the work that I do. There's so, so much for me to learn. I don't have perfect answers. I myself am very new to Montessori, but I feel very blessed to um, a lot of the things that I feel helped me become an uh, independent, responsible young adult, you know, um, we're putting in practice within our own schools. And it feels good to know that the 
independence that I get to enjoy in a way that's also like, I know how to take responsibility for myself. I enjoy my agency. I enjoy, um, I, I don't feel like a martyr or a victim. I, my life feels like mine. And I want to do my best to ensure that the students we have um, have the tools to do the same, you know, that every student has. My thing, what started me in education was, um, I think I remember being in like high school and already having these sort of rage against the machine um, <laughs> moments of, you know, who gets to choose like what I have to learn and, you know, what's the purpose of this? And just being extremely inquisitive about uh, the system I was in. And I had some great teachers and I was really thankful for that. But um, yeah, I just have always wanted to, I've just always wanted to be in education and find, you know, better ways to serve students because I, I myself was like upset as at some point. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's exactly the rage against the machine is, is really quite interesting. Why, why we even get to that point or why it's there. And, you know, another aspect I can find it in is, is politics. For example, when you see whole, nations really working out to beat out the agency out of out of people so that they do nothing even though to us observers from the outside it's quite clear what you can achieve with a few good decisions right so to speak of current events of course the people of russia could um topple down the um, Putin or something like that, if, if they wanted, and this is true for any kingdom at any point in time, like the people always have this power and yet there are ways to uh, make it seem that their choices really don't matter. And when this is done over um, decades, maybe centuries, you see that there is some sort of inherent um, helplessness in people that just keeps trickling down generations. and. It's, it's really important that we acknowledge this and also very interesting to think about ways how to, how to solve this. So I'm, I'm definitely interested now that you brought up the whole idea of taking responsibility in really making the change and making the shift. And it's very interesting to think about what could be some of the ways out of the cul-de-sac that is just saying, well, life happens right because we do grow up with these maxims about life that oh, this is just how things are you know it's like love hurts so you better expect it from whoever you're going to be in a committed relationship and that they will hurt you because that's how things are and you know how many people live with that is what they think is an understanding of law yeah um i think something that's so important is recognizing the value of people who make a change by way of just embodying better living, you know, um, it, instead of like going out and telling people like, this is the way to live really just, uh, living well. Right. And then letting that energy showcase itself, affecting others by way of, you know, and then someone can be curious, like cat, you are, you seem very well adjusted and happy and you know, what happened? And I then I would love to share like the things that I've experienced, but it's just people, it starts off with the question of like, can I be happier? And then seeing that elsewhere, like, Oh, I remember when I was in my lowest, um, a few years ago, it was a friend of mine who sort of just woke me up. Um, and he told me about his own journey, overcoming his own journey, choosing to take responsibility of his life. Cause 
but, and, and I saw him at a place in his life where he was just much happier and I was feeling miserable. And so I just gravitated towards this person asked, and I asked questions and it really inspired me to, to take responsibility. So it's kind of having, it has this, um, this domino effect of, I think as one person takes responsibility for themselves and also enjoys, um, the integrity that comes from that and lives that through and exudes that, um, the hope is that other people, you know, see that as, as an example and ask questions. Um, that's cause that's really a lot of what happened to me is, is I feel like I looked up to the right people. Um, I had a sort of an eye for, uh, wanting to find people who are just, uh, really happy and living life the way that, that I felt I wanted to live and then asking questions from there. Yeah, I, I think so too. And, and reading, I think there are some novels that are exceptionally good at kind of walking us through actions and their consequences and what it's like to be out in the world, either as a victim or as somebody who's just kind of fumbling for solutions around and seeing what happens to them or somebody who is taking um, responsibility and making conscious choices and where that leads us. Um, yeah, this is this seems too super important. Um, to take it back to relationships, I, what are other things that you see that are related to this uh, change or to this mode of taking responsibility that just make them better? Hmm. Um, well, 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 I guess like one way that I... Um, take responsibility in relationships and in relation to relationships is um, I've sort of developed a habit to always engage in the rumble. I mentioned this word earlier. The rumble is like Brene, Brene, Brene Brown's term for when you like engage in conflict, you, you lean into the, the hard conversations and you come out of it better. Um, I, like, communication is so important to me. It's, it's something that like, one of the things I hate the most is uh, miscommunication where people are arguing over things and, and, and you just realize that people are just not interpreting reality the same way. There's something that there's information missing um, that makes this conflict continue. And I, it's like a habit. It's almost like a, I might have this streak of like, I can't really even think of a conflict that I've had where I haven't attempted to resolve it um, very actively. And um, yeah, it's, a, it's just a habit that I've built. I think just being really consistent with that, like as a personal standard, you know, like I have a responsibility to, to talk to someone about how I feel. Uh, I put my cards on the table and doing that over and over and over again. Um, it's really made it a lot easier to, to take responsibility in my relationships because it's every time I sort of, we win quote, quote unquote, we win as in the relationship, um, overcomes and our, our friendship is better or relationship is better. It proves to me, it, it builds my skill set of like, it proves to me that this is always a good thing to talk things through. Um, you know, there are times in which some people can be manipulative. You're, you're working with some, you're speaking to someone who's unwilling to engage in that same thing. And then you learn to walk away. And I've, I've learned that as well, but, um, I'm really fortunate that the people in my life are also people who engage in the rumble, who lean in, um, and and show me that it's it's, it's safe to uh, put my feelings out, to talk things through, to to work it out. Um, I feel so very passionate about this. It's like if you're going to enter my life in any way, you're you, we have to have honest conversations together. There's no we are not. I'm not going. To, I cannot be dishonest about uh, showing how I show up in this relationship. 
and I say relationship like non platonic, like uh, very platonically in all encompassing, you know, friendship, family, romantic, anything. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really love it because it's, you know, in, in one sense, like being confrontational and out there and aggressive, I'm not saying that's a, that's a good thing, but in a sense, um, addressing things even if in the wrong way like maybe you could make the, the way better and be a better listener and keep things civil and all that but still i think it is better to point out that there is a problem even if, even if it comes out in in some sort of a more aggressive way than just kind of falling into a pattern of just living with it just kind of giving up on this other person you know i think eventually that is probably um, more of a reason for breaking up uh, non-platonic or let's say committed relationships or you know relationships in a family or friendships it's just maybe you know friends is, is somehow less dramatic but if you've taken a vow to keep together with someone and you just fall into a pattern of yeah, like yeah there's this problem here and misunderstanding but we're not even addressing it anymore. Well, then that creates a norm of just going forward where it's a fact that both people are not getting out of life all that they could get. And this can just, and will just build up resentment over many years. And at that point, you can just hope that these people know to walk away from one another, right? Because the thing is, is ruined if there is some sort of uh, rock or boulder that there isn't even any strength to try and move it at all that's that's the beginning of the end right an unspoken problem would you say oh absolutely yes um that is a great way to put it it's, it's the beginning of the end an unspoken problem um and even you're right and you even if it's in an imperfect approach to be able to say you know like hey this made me feel this way and and i'd like to work with you i'd like to work together to resolve this um and i i hope it sounds so simple it, it feels easy for me to say that because i've I, i'm really grateful that i have people in my life who are really responsive to that not every person out there is going to you know respond to that maturely and that's the sad thing that's the hard part where it teaches that it's actually unsafe to share how you feel to resolve and so that's why this is such a high bar for me it's like i, I this untainted well it's you know i've definitely encountered places where it doesn't work but as much as possible like i want to maintain the integrity of of communication basically as as much as i can um because there's like a line like how you show up with one thing determines how you show up with everything you know um i feel like there's like one way i think about oh this is something that i think about a lot i just remembered um when i'm engaging in a conflict with one person i'm not just thinking about the conflict in front of me and the person in front of me. I'm also thinking about the how that is going to influence future relationships, um, future conflicts. Because if I shy away from this, I might shy away from other things. If I, you know, if I can't confront my mom about something that we're struggling with and resolve it, how am I expecting to be a good parent to my child in the future, down the line? There's some, to me, in my brain, there's a common thread and of of how I respond to this affects how I respond to other things. And so that that's why for me, it feels more high stakes for the sake of like um, what I'm learning and my integrity across these experiences. Um, yeah, because I, it teaches me skills that all carry over across every single conflict, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, it does. And, you know, the whole thing really is about taking responsibility. It's about, again, not just doing good unto others and being a, a good uh, friend or family member or whatnot, but it's really being good, uh, doing good unto yourself, right? Because you have that mm -hmm. integrity. And I really like the word integrity because it's um, wholesomeness, right? If you yes. literally, yes. Um, if you literally translate the Latin, it's, it's just being wholesome and being wholesome is in some sense being healthy and to me mental health is is uh, the hallmark of living well or so for as long as you enjoy mental health you are living well and that's something that's really important to be able to know how to care for yourself and uh, relationships are, are, are a good way to see where we stand with this because actually introspecting and checking our own mental health can be detrimental because you're kind of stopping to ride the wave and instead you're just becoming uh, going inside and you can disrupt the flow but seeing how your relationships work out is actually a fantastic way of doing it and it's also very important to be able to uh, give up on relationships where this is just so far you know something is so broken that you can't fix it um, and this is this is the hard part with relationships, I think, is when people realize that finally, so I mentioned divorce, but of course, it's, it's just as hard if it's your um, friend that has been your friend since preschool, but your ways have, have parted at some point. And now you find yourself unable to kind of maintain this uh, reciprocal uh, responsibility taking behavior, right? And this is something that not many people think should be done. I think it's not normal, for example, to see families that are torn by conflict. So yes, on one or on one, on the one hand, this is tragic, right? On the other hand, it's also if you look inside, you could see a, a heroic act by someone to know to disengage when things should be it probably would have been worse if they stuck around right so there's a word to be said for uh being able to walk away from toxic relationships a thousand percent this is a this encompasses a major chapter of my life and and this big lesson of also learning that um there's a point the part part of taking responsibility is also knowing when to walk away knowing when something's not working or knowing when something's just incompatible. Um, because, and everything I just said about like, you know, wanting to maintain the integrity of like working through conflict. I also, at a point in my life, I realized there's a little bit of a, it's, um, it's a bit too mechanical sometimes to think that, oh, every, every conflict can be resolved. Not really. I mean, I had experiences with people where we, we could, like someone that I dated where we could do the conflict resolution, but the conclusion was always the same in which there was some just very distinctly incompatible thing that we could talk through it very amicably, but, but we had to just come to a conclusion at some point, which was like, you know, this isn't working. Um, and that was a, some, a major lesson that I'd learned, um, you know, how, yeah, how, when and how to walk away. Um, and I think that's very true of, of family too. You, I'm Filipino and, and family is a big, the core piece of, of our culture. Um, you don't, really walk away or abandon you can't, it's like almost like you can't um but i it, it really rocked my world to realize like you know if you're in a toxic family i don't but i have friends who have been in toxic family relationships who have 
you know, in like left to their family for reasons that I think are, I realize are very fair, you know, very reasonable because if something's really not serving you and it's harmful and um, you're trying to set boundaries and those boundaries aren't being honored, it makes absolute sense to walk away from something. Um, so yeah, that's the other half of it where you're managing your relationships with other people, but you're also very much managing your relationship with yourself because they are synergistic, um, ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I remember, uh, Louis CK making a joke about it, you know, about how people would say, if he tells them, Oh, I've been going through divorce in the past few months. They'd be like, Oh, that's terrible. And it's like, no, that's awesome. You know, it means that we finally recognize that things can be better and, and we should just, uh, go for it. So I think, I think that's a, that's a big part. I also want to think, uh, just shortly about, um, Jocko Willing is this Navy SEAL who's been doing the rounds of the podcast and, and other venues. And he talks about extreme ownership, which is basically this idea of taking responsibility, but in his own words, in an extreme way. And there, I, I always had the feeling that anything done to the extreme is, is not right. So I want to inspect and kind of see if, if this can be taken too far what happens exactly and i assume that um you just uh crush yourself or something (laughs) i love this question so much um i've read that book extreme ownership i really enjoyed it um and i have reflected actually of what what extreme of extreme ownership is too extreme (laughs) because um as someone i've noticed this this quality of myself of i tend to um over overtake responsibility. Like I put so much responsibility on myself when it comes to work, when it comes to relationships, um, where it's also detrimental. Um, and what that means is, uh, like I always, I have this imperfect model in my head that, that relationships are 50, 50, but they really aren't right to split everything in the middle and say, it's always like, there's always something for someone there's always something for someone to take responsibility for, but I, I really do. And I don't have a perfect answer to this. I really do struggle with the nuance of like, you know, sometimes like something is not someone's responsibility. Like I, I fall into the trap of like, uh, not knowing what justice is if I've been hurt. Um, because I'm, uh, even if it, it might be a position where I literally did nothing to, uh, evoke something bad that happened to me, but I'm still asking myself, what did I do? in that situation. And that I've noticed is, is kind of a dangerous situation to be in because it's, a, it might be put myself in a position where the other person is, um, absolved of taking their own responsibility, right? Like both sides have to really recognize, have to ask that question and really explore it in its nuance. It can't be just one person. Um, so I really, yeah, that's a, that's the question that I'm really wrestling with right now. And it, it's a great one. Yeah, well, the, the image that comes to my mind is just basically a juggler who's who's just taking too many balls to juggle, right? Because of this agency. Yes, I can throw one, two, three, uh, four balls at the same time from an expert juggler. But then, you know, eventually even the best juggler can't handle X amount of balls and they just, everything crumbles. And I think it's, it's true for ourselves, uh, for everyone too, that we can just find ourselves that we're, grinding ourselves to dust if we just take on more and more and more uh, things. And like you say, so 
I, I, I still have beef with his uh, term extreme because extreme literally means the most. Right. Well, what's interesting is actually, you know, when he tells the story of how he came about, what inspired mm-hmm. the book, uh, what happens in that story is um, he he takes extreme ownership over because he's like the highest leadership position. Right. But what comes after is actually really important is that other people followed his example and took their own ownership. So it's not actually the message of the book isn't Jocko Willing took extreme ownership and succeeded because he took all of it and, and no one else stepped in. It's he acted as an example to take extreme ownership and inspired other everyone else to take ownership as well. And then it balanced out and everyone worked cohesively as a team. I mean, that's like a very perfect scenario. There's like a lot of implications of um, the quality, you know, the quality of relationship between the people in the team and their ability to step in. Um, but I do think they're I think it's important to recognize sort of the other half of the picture there, too. Um, no, but, you know, sometimes you do take extreme ownership and then everyone's like, all right, cool. You got it. And, you know. Okay. Yeah. No, well, it's, it's really good that one of us actually read the book and thank you. For the, <laughs> thank you for the correction because it makes, it makes sense actually, you know, making yourself almost a, a caricature for a while so that others can see you and, and take on the same behavior that, that does make sense. Um, and I do hope for him that, that they did see it for, for what it was, a technique to to drive the point home rather than just being happy with um, doing everything. And being a model like that maybe is a, is a decent way of making people realize that they can step up. And if they had taken, you know, 50% or whatever of the load, then the load is going to be uh, better, uh, better dispersed over uh, the people's shoulders. Um, there's yeah. A, that's, oh, sorry. There's okay. a line that my therapist would tell me actually, um, and it's to know what's mine, to know what's yours. Like that is it encompasses something for me that I find really important is when you're when you're in conflict or you're taking responsibility for things. It's like how do you parse out between two people what's mine and what's yours? You know, what's my emotion? What's your emotion? What's my responsibility? What's your emotion? Um, and that doesn't imply like this sort of imperfect model of my head of 50 50 it's it's just being realistic like what is what is my mind to work on what is yours to work on and i find myself repeating that line in my head and um it grounds me in the the teamwork uh when it comes to taking responsibility or having conflict and um yeah i find that really helpful yeah, for sure. And what what would be what would be a, a way of doing it? Is it just discussing things together, or what would be a technique to actually find um, exactly that? Mm-hmm. What's mine? What's yours? Mm-hmm. Um, I think in there's a book that I'm reading called Conscious Loving that is I'm really enjoying a lot. Um, I think one version of what this looks like is if if two people you have to take two people who are really curious about themselves who are self-aware and they can own, you know, what is, what is my, what's coming up for me that's unconscious that I'm bringing into this conflict and someone else bringing, you know, having the same introspection and bringing up for themselves what they might be projecting. It's this, it's both people taking responsibility, but also knowing specifically what is theirs to deal with very specifically. You know, you can't, I can't do the other person's work of exploring their unconscious. I can't do the other person's work of um, knowing what they're projecting. Um, so 
it makes it really distinct of like, also where's the line of what I can't step over and take responsibility for, because it's literally not mine. It's, it's impossible for me to tap into that for someone. Um, yeah. 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 That sounds, uh, that does sound um, important and a good thing if we can find out uh, what it is exactly that is mine and what it is that is yours. Yeah. Th- thanks so much, uh, Katrina. I'd love for you to um, kind of tell listeners uh, where your thoughts can be found or any more uh, deep and wise thoughts um, on your side um, are there and also what you do and any other words that you'd like to add. Thank you. Um, I like to just amuse about education and love and I wax poetically sometimes on Twitter um, at Katrina DLC. Um, that's primarily where I put any, most of my thoughts in writing. And if and when I do end up creating like a Substack, my information will be there too. But it's primarily Twitter where I just put out some some thoughts. Um, and then, yeah, that, that's what I got. <laughs> that's where yeah. you can find that's lovely. And I'm so happy we got to do this at uh, my 7 a.m., your 9. It wasn't easy to coordinate. And I'm happy we finally did. And this has been a, a pleasure to have this conversation and of course looking up to um uh, looking forward to uh catching up at some point and keeping this alive absolutely thank you so much um for the invitation to be on this podcast i really do feel honored to be here thank you you're welcome my pleasure so have a good night good night